Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos, and you're listening to So Organized Style Podcast. So Organized Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors, the Australian Sewing Guild who has been our Monday Daily Series regular is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Welcome back to the podcast. Recently, you may have seen The Socialist and Yours Truly repost about one of our local Australian textile companies called Clothing the Gap. You'll know this name as it's a play on the words Closing the Gap and for good reason. Clothing the Gap is a Victorian Aboriginal owned and led social enterprise. Today from the Clothing the Gap fam is Director of Operations and Co-Founder Sarah Sheridan. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Maria, it's really lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. Clothing the Gap has been one of those organisations that has come to light to us through your Instagram posts. And I know that myself and the socialists have been reposting the Instagram posts that you put up there. So tell us a bit more about Clothing the Gap. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to get to know a bit more about Clothing the Gap with you, Maria, and I love that you know so much about us already. Clothing the Gap is an Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise. We're based on Wurundjeri country in Nam in Melbourne, so we're, we're currently in Preston, but a bit of a, a sneak peek for all of your listeners, we're actually shifting to a shop in Brunswick. Fingers crossed, all going well, aiming to be open for people to come in and hang out with us just before Christmas. So we are super excited to have had a very large year and have had, you know, an incredible and an overwhelming amount of community support this year. We're really excited about being a hub of Aboriginal employment within the inner north of Melbourne. Yeah, we we so essentially clothing the gap, we produce merch with meaning as a social enterprise. We proudly reinvest our profits back into furthering our impact, which is to promote equity within the land we call Australia so that Aboriginal people feel seen and heard. And we know that when there's equity, equity adds years to Aboriginal people's lives. So we're a fashion brand essentially run by a health professional. So Laura Thompson and I say Laura's an amazing Gunijamara woman and I had the pleasure of working with Laura for a number of years together at the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service where we were in the population health team. Laura's actually my manager. So we ran health promotion programs together and we left the health service with a fire in our bellies, I guess, to do things a little bit differently, to think about how we can make change in the world independent of government funding and to use business as a model to do that and to add years to Aboriginal people's lives in a unique way that wasn't really being done in Victoria yet. So the really exciting thing about Clothing the Gap is that it's a vehicle for us to be independent of government funding to create the impact that community asks of us and that we see makes a difference. 
So when we think about, you know, what it means every time we send out a t-shirt or a beanie or a, you know, or a mask or anything like that, it's for us, it's, it's so exciting to see Aboriginal design out in the world and being proudly worn and celebrated by so many people. But it also means that every single time that we send out a parcel, it means that it's a drop in the ocean of that impact piece and the work that we get to do alongside community every day as well, which is, which is really exciting, really exciting. And the other exciting thing that I know that you're probably bursting to tell us about is when it comes to Aboriginal materials, people are really now interested to make sure that it's done in an ethical way. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really important. So as a non-Indigenous person myself, one of the things that I'm continuously asking myself, not just in this space, but every time I engage within the Aboriginal community, it's, you know, who's at the table here? Like, what does this look like? Who should be at the table? Where should the table be? Should it be a table? You know, there's questions that we should ask ourselves. And one of those things should be, is, you know, is the right person engaged in this? And And one of the ways that I guess, you know, we've encouraged our supporters on our socials to do that is by looking at, you know, when we're supporting Black-owned brands and so Aboriginal-owned and led brands, thinking about are they registered with things like Supply Nation and the for Victoria, the Kinaway, the Aboriginal Chamber of Commerce, have they, you know, have they got some of the certification systems in place that tell us that they're a genuine Aboriginal-owned and led business? Or are they a business that looks and feels like a black business, Hmm. but actually isn't? So we're really proud to be registered and certified with Supply Nation and Kinaway Chamber of Commerce here in Victoria. And one of the accreditations that we're super excited to announce is that we've voluntarily sought out our Ethical Clothing Australia accreditation, which means that when we produce and we aim to produce as much stock as we can in Australia, when we produce stock in Australia, we choose to produce stock ethically. So I think people have an assumption that just because something's made in Australia Hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's been made ethically. And when we talk about an ethical product coming from an Australian factory, we're talking about working conditions not just pay I think often people think like oh you know we've got to make sure that people are paid right like it's really important that people are paid right that is that is absolutely crucial but it's also really important that they're safe at work that they're supported at work that there's somewhere for them that's clean and dry and out of the way and not sitting amongst the machines to go and have a cuppa and sit down and have lunch that there's there's systems and support in place for them as a staff member where they are if they're in a in a factory sort of setting and then for home workers as well it's really important that they're you know that they've got enough time to do the work that they're going to do that they're not put under undue pressure like all of those sorts of pieces in it as well so we're super proud to be the first known aboriginal business to be registered with ethical clothing australia and actually one of the things i think that people think that we are is ginormous and we're not. We actually have a small but growing, but a, a small team within our office here. One of the things that we really are committed to ensuring that we build into our systems and our, our values as a growing business is sustainability and, and producing things ethically. We are so mindful and aware of fast fashion and it's not something that we want to do or become or be a part of or contribute to. We have caring for country at the heart of our values as an Aboriginal and led business. And one of the things that we always want to make sure that we do is that we're looking after the people and planet that's, that's so important to us. So we're so excited to, yeah, to be announcing that. And, you know, it's, it's a part of, 
being able to say to our supporters as well is like we see you and we hear your feedback and we know that this is something that you want to see from us as well. We've really shifted to introduce and to increase the amount of products that we have in our range that are 100% Australian made and not just 100% Australian made but also ECA accredited as well which is which is really exciting. You know and I think especially at the midst of COVID when industry in Australia is at a very very difficult time. We've been really committed to ensuring that we're investing in the local textile industry as well. Really great example of that is our masks. So we've produced some gorgeous three-ply reusable face masks. We also got super fancy and had a four-ply version that was like reversible and all of those things, but I think we got a little bit carried away. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm sure that Truku um, works with us at our manufacturing partner, who is the like the design technician and the, the head seamstress. I think she would prefer if we had have decided not to do that design. I think <laughs> trying to do like French tucks and things and to make sure that it was all fully reversible. I think she she just about had kittens over, but she's incredible. She works with all of our crazy harebrained ideas. But our, our masks are actually made within an eight kilometer radius in Melbourne. So wow. they go from design to dispatch the whole process happens within yeah so within less than 10 kilometers which we are so proud of in terms of really being mindful of trying to reduce our footprint as well as being ethical and sustainable within the materials and the way that we produce and protecting and looking after the humans that work with us in that process we are so proud that yeah that we've been able to produce a really gorgeous functional mask within an eight kilometer radius yeah it really does sound like clothing the gap has made this is a terrible thing to say, it made the most of a difficult situation with COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, and I guess for us, you know, we talk about wearing your values on your tea a lot. So we've got lots of slogans and sayings and all those things that, you know, we think about messaging a lot. And one of the things that we always encourage people to do is to wear your values on your tea. Your tea can have conversations for you and, and to spark that moment of intrigue by somebody walking past you that you may not even know the, the impact that your T-shirt has. And there's no reason why when our smiles can't do the talking for us, there's no reason why our masks can't either. So one of the things that, you know, as I said before, as a non-Aboriginal person, for me, I love wearing, I've got your wonderful listeners won't be able to see them, but I'm wearing some beautiful Kuhlman earrings, also designed by Laura from the Crew Circle. And, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm wearing, obviously wearing clothing the Gap because that's part and parcel of, <laughs> you know, being, being in the trade. For me, when I choose what I wear when I get up in the morning and I put on my merch with meaning, essentially, it says so much that I like a coral T-shirt. This T-shirt has got our logo, which is essentially a resemblance of the Aboriginal flag on the back of it. This T-shirt says to everybody that walks past me, that talk to, that sees me, that this is my values and this is something that I'm proud to walk alongside. And as a non-Aboriginal person, I celebrate and acknowledge and am, am proud of the Aboriginal history that we have in Australia. And I, you know, I'm really proud of the work that Clothing the Gap does in encouraging more and more people to lean into that conversation. So we have the most amazing team. Laura designs um, and product develops and manages all of sort of like our stock lines and everything. Sienna, she's an Arunga woman and she's absolutely sensational. And Sienna actually volunteered with us for six months in Spark Health before we transitioned and, and grew Clothing the Gap. And Sienna's been a huge part of that. She's our head of brand and marketing and, and she leads all of our content. And so all of our amazing social media pieces, they come from Sienna. We have a, an amazing Yorta Yorta and Gunakurna woman 
called Lena Charles, who's actually currently quarantining in Darwin so that she can go to Alice Springs and run alongside the Indigenous Marathon Foundation squad to run her first marathon. And she's our head of impact. So she looks after how we do what we do alongside communities. And I can tell you a little bit about the impact pieces of Clean the Gap in a minute. But Oh, yes, please. Because it's actually really exciting because there's so much to talk about. And we have, you know, an amazing trainee who's also a Narangaganakuna woman. You know, when I put my earrings in and when I put my T-shirt on to say, like, I see you, I value you, and I walk alongside you, and I'll proudly say that to every single person that, that I walk past in the street. And I could walk down the street carrying a giant billboard or I could say it to everybody or I could put on my T-shirt and I can just signal to everybody that I see that this is, this is what I care about. This is what I believe in. And, you know, Sienna, that's where the tangent I was on, Sienna, you know, through our social media has been able to encourage and call in so many people are saying, you know, this is something that you should be involved in and this is something that you're allowed to be involved in. I think, you know, when Sienna's written alongside some some other amazing Aboriginal writers around, you know, this, can I wear that piece? So Tanisha Atkinson wrote an incredible piece for us around and, and for her socials as well called Can I Wear That? It's around, is it appreciation or appropriation? Exactly. And yeah, and I think it's, there's a, it's a very fine line and I think thinking about it and, and really thinking about why you're putting on the t-shirt and all of those sorts of things. Like we don't want our supporters to just throw on a t-shirt and think that they can continue carrying on doing what they're doing without realigning or re-educating themselves, all of those sorts of things. Putting on the t-shirt is one part of the process, you know, thinking and reassessing and aligning your values with the merch as well is, is the important piece. Exactly. It's the values that it is. You know, you put it on because you have a particular set of values. End of story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as a social enterprise, we are so guided by our values every single day and that they shape the way that we do our work. And they also shape the products that we produce for people to walk alongside us and, you know, and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture and history every single day. Because it's something that we should be so much prouder of in this country than what we currently are. And I get so much joy out of seeing people wearing our, our merch and the bit that they probably don't realise is that they're all wearing an Aboriginal flag on their back in our logo. And, you know, can you think back to, you know, 10 years ago, can you imagine hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people choosing to want to wear something like that, that, that featured the Aboriginal flag? And I just, I'm just so excited of the changes that are in society around the shifts in perceptions and the value on Aboriginal communities and voices and, and culture. And yeah, it's really exciting. It's an exciting time. With Clothing the Gap, I know that you're going to talk about the impacts, but you've also got particular campaigns as well. Yeah, it's a really nice segue, actually, because the Free the Flag campaign is one of our impact pieces in, you know, we've always advocated for what we believe in. And so the Free the Flag campaign started because we produced this fantastic jumper and T-shirt that had multitudes of Aboriginal flags on it because, you know, one's never enough. And Laura produced this hilarious video. It was just a Facebook Live in the office and she was here by herself and she was, you know, showing off the jumper and all of these things. And a couple of days later, we received a cease and desist from Wham Clothing to say that we'd breached copyright and that we had three days to stop selling any products featuring the Aboriginal flag. We actually complied with the cease and desist, you know, which surprises some people. But we did. But in the, in the process of complying with the cease and desist, 
we started the Free the Flag campaign because it made us feel sick in the guts that this was something that was happening. And, you know, we're aware of many large corporates that also received a cease and desist at the same time and they did nothing. I was reflecting on this with somebody who's involved in social justice a lot the other day and I said it just it just continues to disappoint me time and time again that the people with the most to lose and the most skin in the game and that carry the most risk in this are always the ones left to do the heavy lifting and the work in these kinds of scenarios. You know, some of the really large organisations that also receive cease and desist that have giant legal teams and marketing teams and PR teams that could have tackled this well and truly. Laura and I weren't yet paying ourselves a salary. We were still volunteering in the business as a tiny little startup that had no startup funding whatsoever. We volunteered for over six months in Spark. When, and when we received this cease and desist, it was, it was the campaign when it first started was in all-consuming, really. It took so much of our time. But in saying that, it has been so worth it because the conversations that we've been able to have, the people that we've reached through this campaign, we have over 150,000 signatures on the Pride Not Profit petition. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw during Sir Doug Nichols' round in the AFL this year, we saw every single AFL team side with us and say, we don't believe that the Aboriginal flag should be about profit. We believe that it should be about pride and we think that it should be much freer to access than what it currently is. A Senate inquiry started from there and it really did move off the footy field and back into Parliament. We'd been to Parliament numerous times campaigning and talking with MPs. We've had some incredible support from some people within government and within, you know, members of Parliament and Senators. It's been a giant, you know, 18 months with the campaign and to see the, you know, the Senate inquiry report come out and to acknowledge that the way that the Aboriginal flag is currently copyrighted and licensed to three non-Indigenous companies that hold the monopoly over the use of and the profit of the Aboriginal flag, for the Senate inquiry to say that this cannot continue was a really encouraging step. And we just really look forward to being able to see the Aboriginal flag being free for people to celebrate and for it genuinely to be about pride and not profit. It's a huge journey. Isn't it? And I guess like we want to see, we want to see more Aboriginal flags in the world and not less. And but what mm. we're currently seeing because of the licensing agreements on the Aboriginal flag, we're seeing less flags. And we saw that with the Sir Doug Nichols round when the Aboriginal flag wasn't proudly painted in the centre of ground. You know, that's the outcome of, you know, for, for your listeners that are Harry Potter fans, it's like someone's draped a giant invisibility cloak over the Aboriginal flag. And that's what those licenses feel like. They feel like an invisibility cloak that's that's stopping so many people from using the Aboriginal flag. Just before our our meeting this afternoon, Maria, to record this podcast, I was actually speaking to, we do some health promotion work within a correctional facility. So we we spend a lot of time with the the Aboriginal people within corrections and we run the most fantastic, if I do say so myself, the most fantastic (laughs) health promotion program. And our virtual runs is a really big part of our impact piece that we've been working on. We've had over 11,000 people take part in our virtual runs during lockdown, which we are so, so, so excited about. And I was talking to this person within this correctional facility. They were producing their NADOC shirts. They run this fantastic competition within the art programs unit within the service. And every NADOC, they have a NADOC t-shirt that they get screen printed and all the fellows wear and it's awesome. And this year, the artist that won the competition had painted an Aboriginal flag in their design. And the, the screen printer came back to them and said, we can't produce that for you unless we go back to WAM 
and get permission. They were like, do you still want to include it? Mm. Can you imagine That's so having to make, isn't it? And can you imagine if this was the Australian flag? Like I think it's it's very frustrating that I think, you know, it's the, it's the epitome of privilege when you choose whether or not you have to engage in something. And I think, you know, for so many non-Indigenous Australians, this is something like, ah, oh, this is not a me issue. I'm like, it actually is a you issue. Mm. It is an all of us issue. Because if we always leave Aboriginal people to do the heavy lifting around fighting injustices that they face, then it's exhausting and it's all consuming and, you know, there's no time for anything else left in, in anyone's day. So I think it's so important that under Aboriginal leadership, we walk alongside the community to fight these injustices. And, you know, it's to hear something like to come from, you know, a a really small number, I'm talking like 40 t-shirts being screen printed, for them to have to make the choice, we're like, oh, well, we don't really, we'd rather spend the extra 20% on more paint supplies so that the fellas can do more painting. We'll just not put the flag in this year so we've been encouraging people who are in this position and they said we, we want to show you because we've chosen to put the free the flag logo in instead and I was like oh that's exactly why we created it it's free to download from our website so people can can download it and use it in place of the aboriginal flag until it's free to use again so even like email signatures yeah websites all of those things it's all included in the in the worldwide exclusive license that you need to seek permission to use or or pay to do so. It's been a really long journey, but it's a fight that that we're we're continuing to to undertake until yeah we see a we see a much freer flag than currently. We ran a school session on the the campaign. We've been running school sessions as part of our impact pieces within closing the gap for a little bit now and. We run them on social justice and how how to use our voice for change. It's all about using the Free the Flag campaign as an example, but to empower young people to think about how they can use their voice to change things that they want to see different in their world. I mean, we don't always have to leave these things up to the adults because we know that we don't always get this bit right. We were sharing this campaign journey and had a an 11-year-old ask us, ask Lena and I in this school session, do you think the Free the Flag campaign would be at the point that it is now if you hadn't started the petition mm. and spoken up about what happened? And I was like, that is a fantastic question. It's like I would hope that somebody else would have taken up this mantle and done yes. something about it. But don't we all? Someone has to do something about it at some point. Otherwise, we have this, you know, wonderful bystander effect. It's not that wonderful at all. It's, it's, we, have this, we have the bystander effect of, you know, someone else will deal with that or someone else will, someone else with more time or someone else who's a vexiologist, which is an expert in flags, which I never thought that I would be anywhere near. But I can guarantee you, Maria, I know more about flags now than I did 12 months ago. Someone with more legal experience or copyright experience or IP law experience or somebody that campaigns and runs petitions and all of these things for that what they do with their world will do this if we don't all take ownership of the things that we can change mm. in the world then the world never changes so it was a really great question and I was like I think it's you know it's really important to remind ourselves that you know we are the world and the world is us and if we want to change the world we have to start with ourselves and part of that for you know for Laura and I was taking the thing that made us feel sick in the stomach and going public with it and standing up for it. And the good thing about the campaign that you're doing and the talks that you're doing is that you're right, it's not just up to the adults to ask for the change. It's something that, you know, the next generation can start asking and learning about. Absolutely. And I guess for, you know, for the next generation, this is not a problem that we want them to inherit. This is something that that they should be able to celebrate freely. Yeah, like I think it's 
it's been an incredible, incredible 12 months and the campaign has taken us on a very unique journey. And, you know, the the work of the Free the Flag campaign, so Laura and people like Nova Paris and Michael Connolly and, and Michael Long's recently added his voice to the campaign. I think mm. it's a it's a collective of people and it's it's people power essentially that make the difference in that it's, you know, a movement's not a movement without without the people. So knowing that there were literally hundreds of thousands of people that were adding their voice to this and, and pushing this change as well. It's not about, you know, what one or two people want. It's about being able to see, you know, the local netball club who want to be able to put the Aboriginal flag on their uniforms, put the Aboriginal flag on their uniforms, as well as the AFL. It's it's about everybody. It is about everybody. And you've got mm. a few more campaigns that you're also running. Sarah, you and Laura started working in the health sector first. Yeah, we did. And now you're where you are. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, it's a bit of a unique journey. Like how do two health promotion professionals end up running a a fashion brand? It's a great question. I'm not really sure yet. (laughs) Thanks for asking it, Sarah. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, as I mentioned, so Laura and I worked together in population health, so in health promotion. And then we started Spark Health as a business model, a unique model of being able to create change in a, in a different way, independent of government funding. Laura's been designing for a very long time. Laura's been mm-hmm. designing singlets as part of incentives for programs that we would run for, you know, back when we were at the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service. So when we started Spark, we knew the power of merch and we know that people will honestly do anything for a T-shirt. When it's a really <laughs> great T-shirt, they will come to as many sessions of things as you want. They'll fill out that survey. They'll tell you about how many veggies they had or how many glasses of water they have in a week, whatever it is. They're like, fine, because a T-shirt's great. So we knew the power of merch. So when we were running our health promotion programs, holistic Aboriginal health and wellbeing programs right across Victoria. We've spent an incredible amount of time hanging out alongside and working alongside Aboriginal communities across many different spaces. If you come to four out of six sessions, you get yourself a limited edition training singlet or training t-shirt. And often they would also share the logo of the Aboriginal Medical Service or the co-op that we were working alongside to deliver these programs. What merch does and what I've seen merch do as, a, as an outsider in Aboriginal community is the way that it is just worn so proudly. It unites people and it, it talks about cultural identity and, and where someone's from and what they're involved in and who they spend time with and what they've been doing lately and all of these sorts of things. And it's something that's coveted and something that's just, it is a, the biggest and best carrot at the end of, a, at the, end of the rod because it's it really is something that's held so specially. You know, it's not just a plain singlet. It's a singlet that often would feature Laura's artwork. So really thinking about, you know, big, loud, beautiful, bold Aboriginal designs and Laura being a Gunajamara artist, so line work is, is gorgeous. When we were in Spark and we actually, this is a little secret for a lot of your listeners as well, Clothing the Gap actually started as a sub-brand under Spark called Spark Merch. Okay. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just processing that. Yeah, don't worry. So were we. And we no wonder it was very hard to convey and very hard to explain to people because it kind of didn't really make much sense. It was very hard to, to link sort of, you know, if, you know, we sell more T-shirts, we can be independent of government funding and we can run the programs that we know make a difference on the ground. And 
it wasn't until Laura's actually at the Reed gift fair and she was explaining all of this to someone coming through the stall and somebody else said they were like, you know, like closing the gap. If you buy the t-shirt, you're helping them close the gap. And then I got a text message from Laws. I wasn't at the gift fair that day. And it was just three words, all in capitals, clothing the gap. It was like, makes perfect sense. Yes. So we actually rebranded from Spark Merch, (laughs) the little sub-brand under Spark Health, into clothing the gap. Clothing the gap only officially became its own entity in March of this year. Like that's how new and how big the growth has been in in the last 12 months for Clothing the Gap. So in saying that, because Clothing the Gap is an independent vehicle for impact, completely independent from government funding, the way that we're able to move and the the agility and the, the responsiveness and the way that we're able to facilitate our impact work is very unique. And, you know, we, we often reflect on how do you change the system of the oppressor when mm-hmm. you're funded? by the system how do you do that like how do you genuinely make that work when at the end of the day we have to turn around and reconcile with the system and say did we do a good job whereas now we don't have to do that anymore it was so exciting we were we were sitting potentially thinking about applying for some funding a little while ago and we actually Laura and I actually looked at each other and we're like there is nothing that this funding can do for us that our incredible supporters and essentially our investors in the people that back us every single time that they purchase something from Clothing the Gap or any social enterprise that's doing great work, there's nothing that this funding could do for us that people supporting us through merch weren't already doing for us. And I certainly, you know, there's there's been a really big shift from, from government and, and all those things, but I think it's it's also just very unique to be able to be in a position where we can genuinely say that we are independent of government funding and independent of the system. I think that's the piece that gives us the freedom to, you know, run things like the Free the Flag campaign. And we're not scared of who's going to tap us on the shoulder at any point in time and say, hey, don't do that thing. Like we can actually be led by the most important person in this conversation and that's the community. And they can tell us directly what they want us to do. And they do. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's essentially, that's kind of the, the story of Clothing the Gap in that it's it's actually very, very new. There's actually not a giant team of us. We're actually quite small. We are growing, but we are actually quite small. And So you started in March. Well, Clothing the Gap became its own entity. Yeah, yeah, in March. Clothing the Gap became um, big enough to, to grow out of Spark Health. Okay. And no longer be a sub-brand of Spark Health and become its own become its own being essentially so yeah so it relatively is still quite new it's young so we're learning so much it is young it's very young young. with growth comes growing pains and we are learning so much there's so much to learn and I often think that we don't actually know Laura and I don't actually know how much we're thinking outside the box and how many rules we're breaking because we've got no idea where the box is yes and we've got no idea what the rules are (laughs) Because, you know, studying health promotion and international development at university, I never thought I'd be thinking, good goodness, can I fit in a commerce degree in the next six months? (laughs) Because I think I need one. (laughs) But it's been fun. It's been such a journey. And we've had some incredible supporters along the way as well. Sounds like you're getting really good advice to get where you are because you're independent, socially responsible, and you're thinking outside whatever that box is. Whatever that box is supposed to be, I I don't think we're in it. (laughs) 
Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to So Organised Style Podcast and giving our listeners the background as to what Clothing the Gap is all about. You know, Clothing the Gap has got Ethical Clothing Australia accreditation. So that's a huge congratulations to you all. Thank you so much, Maria. It was an absolute pleasure to get to share a little bit more around, you know, the values and the why behind Clothing the Gap. And, you know, and thank you for celebrating our Ethical Clothing Australia accreditation with us. We are genuinely so proud of it. And really just encourage all of your listeners to continue to, you know, thinking consciously with, with their cash and continuing to have courageous and bold conversations that, that make change. Thank you again, Sarah. You're so welcome, Maria. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organised Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Sarah Sheridan. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to good podcasts. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our podcast Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.